0: Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast for StudyingMcKee.com. Hey, welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast. I'm Stuart McKee, your host, and I'm here with Dr. Jamie Schreier. Uh, Jamie's a physical therapist. He's a former private practice owner, business owner, author of The Practice Freedom Method and founder of Practice Freedom U. After growing and then successfully selling his PT business, Jamie began teaching practice centers methodology to generate consistently more referrals, hire amazing staff, and work less while making more. He has helped hundreds of private practice owners successfully grow their business, achieving financial prosperity and freedom despite today's unpredictable and ever changing environment. Um, thanks for being here, Jamie. Really appreciate it.
1: Sturdy, I appreciate you having me uh, back on. It's good to be here.
0: Thanks. Um, so, tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and what you're working on.
1: Yeah. So, um, let's see what's going on in my life. Um, well, we're focusing a lot on working, you know, like you, and there's plenty of people out there that need help, uh, really focusing on help guiding people in this, in this world of business, as, as I'm sure, you know, you know, we're not taught this in school and frankly, we're not taught this out of school. And, you know, the idea of coaching, which I accidentally kind of fell into about the 10, 11 years now, um, is, is really getting guidance and getting um, help in, you know, moving through some of the challenges that you're facing. And, you know, with all the digital products out there, you can find, you know, pretty much a solution for anything digitally, but that's not the same as coaching. So we're working with a lot of people and helping them kind of uh, navigate the, the, the ups and downs and all arounds of, of business to help them create a business that they can be proud of, and that and it gives them the things that they want—from you know, lifestyle to money to to building a great team to you know, obviously be in a great position to sell when they want. So we're focusing a lot on that. Personally, I'm uh, I'm doing a lot more private coaching than I've ever done. Um, about a year ago, I'd made the decision I want to do a little bit more one-on-one executive coaching. So um, I have a, a, a few more clients, and I'm doing that, but. As always, I always like to keep a lot of open space and look for other opportunities and and uh, just kind of enjoy my life and do the things that I want to do and when I want to do it and have the means to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. So let's go with that, kind of the freedom, the recapturing of your time theme. As a business owner, how do you do that? Because we, we always see a lot of people, you know, working in their businesses, working in their practices, you know, inordinate amount of hours. How, how, do you, how do you recapture that time?
1: Yeah, you know, I was reading something the other day that, you know, um, a book called Buying Back Your Time by Dan Martell, And um, he, he kind of said it right in the title. You know, when we first start anything, especially our business, we're, we're trading time for money. So instead of paying someone to do it, we do it. So Mm -hmm. we're the primary therapist. We're the primary person answering the phone. We're the primary go to Costco, pick up the paper towels. We're we're dealing with everything. We're the insurance person. Um, We're handling it all. And then typically we hire the part-time front desk person or something like that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And um, eventually our time begins to disappear because we all have the same amount of time and as we evolve and 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 kind of move through our business time goes away because we're doing so many different things our stress goes up our overwhelm goes up our decision making gets affected because when emotion is high intelligence, intelligence is low and if we're at a high emotional state all the time we sometimes make decisions that we look back and be like oh my god what, how did I possibly make that decision? How did I hire that person? Why did I, why did I sign that lease? Like, but we do it um, because we think it's the right thing to do because we don't even realize how, how overwhelmed we all are. So what I've learned, you know, when I was a practice owner for, for over 15 years, um, what I learned is that the real secret to building a business that serves you. And that's the first kind of mental space that we have to kind of embrace is the idea that you are not here to serve your business. Your business is here to serve you and your business is here to create the lifestyle that you want. At least that's my philosophy. So in order to do that, we have to buy back time because we've given our time to so many things. We now have to put money to get back our time because if you look at it, Our time is the most valuable of anybody in our business, right? You know, it's an easy way to look at it. You can look at how much money you're generating and just divide by 2,000 hours if you wanna look at it that way. But I think our time and our potential is so much more than that. I think it's several hundred dollars an hour, sometimes even more. So if you're able to spend $15 an hour on somebody or $20 an hour on somebody or a piece of technology, um, you get to buy back time. And with that time, you get to focus on even improving your business even more. So that's the the mental shift in how you begin to build a business where you have freedom. You have the freedom of time and the and the freedom that you're making more money and and also the freedom of choice and opportunities and and all those other things that we're all looking for.
0: So. The obvious question is, you know, how do you start to trust those people and put those things in place? But let's go with something that you brought up just there a second ago. Um, high emotional state can lead to decisions that you regret later. So how do you how do you approach making better decisions? Whether that's hiring or buying back time, or better.
1: that's that's a really great question. You know, I think one of the um, greatest skills that each one of us can develop. And you don't have to be a business owner, but if, if you are a business owner, I think it's critical. And that's one of emotional intelligence. It's something that I've been diving into for, for years now. Um, I teach on it in leadership training. Um, all my clients get, get, get uh, um, taught on this. Emotional intelligence involves four components and the first component is the most important and that's the component of self-awareness when you are self-aware of things that trigger you things that kind of set you off pet peeves things that you do when you become more self-aware of that then you know how to recognize when they're happening for instance um i was talking with a good friend of ours uh dave dave kittle um. Uh, the other day, and we were talking about hiring, and so many times when someone unexpectedly leaves our practice, we are in a higher emotional state. You know, maybe they quit. We're upset at them, or maybe we fired them because they were higher emotional something. state is a nice
0: way to put it, huh? Higher emotional state is a
1: nice way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Try, try to be. Ni- <laughs> it's a family show here. Try to be nice about it. Um. So so, what happens? So we are in a desperation mode. We are like, oh, my God, we need somebody. And of course, there's no one out there. So we do everything we can to try to bring someone in the door. And we basically tell ourselves, this is a good person. This is a good person. <laughs> and even though there are things they are doing or saying or happening, that in a calm state, in a more rational state, we would be more in tune. And then we hire someone. And then later on, Dave was just telling me the story. He hired someone and two and a half months later they quit. And I was like, okay, well, what happened? He goes, well, I probably didn't ask additional questions or whatever. So we're all, none of us are, you know, immune to this. We're all human beings. We all have emotions. So by recognizing when you are in a triggered state, knowing that certain things will trigger you, you have to put, which is the second component of emotional intelligence, you have to put self-management strategies. So there's one strategy that I've been using now for, I would say about 16 years. And it's a strategy of when I get an email that upsets me, and yes, Sturdy, there are emails that I look at that they get, make my blood boil. And instead of, yeah, it, it, I'll have to share some of them with you. Instead of trying to force myself to be calm, what I do is I put in a 24-hour rule. I do not respond to the email for 24 hours until the next day, basically. Right. But what I do is I respond to the email, um, getting it out of my head. So I can get the emotion out of my body. I respond to it but I surely take off the name because I've made the mistake of automatically sending it. I, t- I <laughs> removed the name of it. I, and I just yeah. did this you know, uh, earlier this week. I know it's only Tuesday, but I already did it. I got an email, kind of irked me. I went, Jamie, you've been through this before. No matter what you think, just type it in. And I typed it in. I would say 90, 85 to 90% of the emails that I write, I either don't send or change somehow the next day when I'm in a much better emotional place. So that's a a perfect way to use this in whatever triggers you. So the first thing is to understand, well, what are your triggers? What are your pet peeves? Who gets you going? So that helps protect you in your business from making bad decisions that further create a, sometimes certainly even a bigger problem than the original problem. So there's oh, no sure. worse than someone leaving your business than hiring the wrong person. That will cost you even more of time oh, sure. and money and drama and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we've all made bad hires, so we know what that that looks like. For sure. Um, cool. So you we went through two of the four
1: components. What's yeah. three and four? So the uh, self awareness is one. Self management and two. Mm-hmm. Social awareness is three. um, And basically social relationship, which basically is, um, um, you know, how to manage relationships is four. So the first two is about self, the second two is about others. So the, the, the other important one besides, you know, understanding yourself, which is component one, is be able to read other people. And when you are in a business with other people and other staff and stuff like that, Your ability to read, to understand, to understand body language, subtleties, all these other things is a huge skill to have. And again, if you are emotionally charged and, you know, we all have our own lens, we all see the world as we are, not as it is, um, that can affect how you see other people. So by working on um, you know some of the strategies to to understand people better, I mean I you know I'm a big uh, proponent of gratitude and appreciation. Practicing gratitude helps you see people in a different light, in a better light, and it helps you develop better relationships. And you know we are in the business of relationships. So the better we can do that, the better we can read and understand people, the better we can then do component four is manage relationships with other people.
0: Expand on that a little bit. You just said we're in the business of relationships. What is... Yeah. So
1: as, 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 as therapists, as, as business owners, our business is relationships, relationships with our staff, Relationships with our patients, relationships with referral sources, relationships with our community. Um, Our our entire business is surrounded by relationships. And the more we can understand about ourselves, what makes us tick, and the more we can understand and appreciate other people, the better, more collaborative relationships we're going to have. I've never met someone that has an amazing network of referral sources that weren't very good at building, developing relationships, but I've met many people who are not really good at that, not have great relationships and struggle with referrals and things like that. The same thing with our patients, Uh, the same things with our staff. So we are 100% in the business of relationships and the more that we can, and this is a skill, this can be taught, the more that we get better at, um, again, understanding ourselves and understanding others and connecting with others and, you know, developing rapport and things like that, um, the better our lives are gonna be because our lives is based on kind of the collaboration, the coordination and, and the helping of other people.
0: So, okay, I wanna, I wanna explore that for a second too, because you just mentioned collaboration. And one of the things I come up against all the time and help my clients kind of become aware of is their both their own conditioning, but also that of the people they're hiring. So if we think about, um, you know, anybody in a healthcare environment, basically, the clinical staff, essentially all of them have around 20 years of school, right? And in school, you're taught to be right and do it by yourself, you know, collaboration in school is... You know, aside from the four group projects that one person took on and did, there, you know, you don't collaborate. Collaboration on an exam is known by another word. If you're in school, right? So, the thing about that though is, the moment you graduate, life is a team sport. You know, business is a team sport. There's no penalty for collaboration. It's actually the opposite. There's reward. So, uh, delve into that collaboration idea, particularly around staff. And you know you were talking about these relationships. Another thing I found that I'd love you to you know consider or maybe address here is therapists in particular, right? I was talking with somebody who was saying that the ther- therapist patient relationship, and he was talking about mental health, but then related it back to physical therapists as well. It's like those are some of the most intimate relationships you'll ever have as a patient outside of your romantic partner, right? And That's an area that we tend to navigate pretty well. We actually care for patients, you know, but there there are clear boundaries. Um, How do we apply that to our teams? And and what do you see with that? Do you see people doing that successfully, you know, from the beginning, or is that another skill to cultivate and learn?
1: Yeah. Well, I think you know, just just go back for a second of everything you just said. You're you're right. We you know. Like you said, I mean, you didn't say the word, but it's like you know, you collaborate in school; it's cheating, right. and you know, outside of of school, you know, collaborating, trying, testing is actually how businesses are built. Nobody built a business by themselves, right? Ziggler uh, <laughs> right. said, "You help enough people get what they want, you'll get everything that you want." So right. this this idea of collaboration is huge, and I think that you know, many of us, not all of us, but you know, many of us in this field and and, and this field is. A, of caregiving, um, we're really good in one-on-one situations and we're good at understanding. And we've been taught this, we've been taught to ask questions. Um, mm-hmm. I think some of us are better listeners than others. Some of us are more sure. mechanical than others, right? Sure. We're more interested in the mechanics of how we're doing things or letting people know how smart we are, how good we are, which sometimes isn't what serves best in patients, but all in all, Right. Um, people that are very good clinicians have that ability to build rapport. I've never really met any owners. Um, and I've worked you know, with, with hundreds and hundreds of practice owners. They had an, a high rapport connection. They were able to connect with people. And yet I've met with many of the same people that somehow couldn't Couldn't take this relationship that developed with a patient who came in to see them and turned it over to a staff person. Mm -hmm. Like it was like night and day. And it's a very interesting phenomenon um, of how we are, we don't look at or treat or maybe appreciate the people that are supporting us and helping us realize our dreams and live our lifestyle and anything else we want. Um, and, I, and I think it's something that is, you know, kind of mind boggling that, that that I see. But I, I've experienced the same thing. It's like the patient, you know, they're paying us, they're coming in as this. The staff person, I'm paying you, go ahead and do your job. Like, it, 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 I don't know why I thought like that, but I did for so long until I started to practice more the idea of appreciation and gratitude and realize that, you know, why, why am I treating this person like this? Why, why am I approaching this person and not trying to, this is the greatest asset I have is my team, right? They're more important than anyone, including patients, because without a team, you can't treat more than what you can treat. And, you know, that's been something that um, I worked on myself that I've been really sharing and, and trying to promote more of this idea of really appreciation of your staff, and looking at it from their lens and creating much more of a collaboration by understanding their needs and their wants, the same way that we should be looking at the needs and the wants of our patients and mm-hmm. the needs of our wants of our um, referral sources. So it's getting outside of your own head, I think, is where it starts, and realize that the greatest relationships out there are the ones where. You walk into it with, what can I do to help you? What can I do to be of service to you? And that is still in the world of um, with your staff. You know what? Who am I going to best serve with my place? What what problems and needs am I addressing with people? I, I think it takes certainly it takes that shift. Is that what you've seen as well?
0: Yeah, I absolutely, and I think the number one's awareness, right? So you were you were saying, I don't know why I didn't get that early on. I don't know, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm in the same boat, right? Early on, it didn't really, it didn't click for me. It didn't make sense. I think a big reason for that, for most of us, and this is not just in PT or healthcare or anything, but for founders across the board, is there aren't a lot of us who have had great role models as managers and, you know, bosses and stuff in the past, they're, they're you know, we come from a history, of legacy of the command and control, you know, militaristic style, organizational structure, top-down management, directives, all that stuff. And, you know, that's not how the world works. It's not how people work. It's not, it's definitely not how the generation now coming into the workforce and, and really, I mean, People still talk about millennials like they're new, but dude, millennials have been in the workforce for two decades at this point. So you know, you better you better get used to it. <laughs> that, that ship sailed a long time ago. So, but but the expectations you know, with Gen Z and and all, they're more explicit, right? It's but that's also why I don't think with Gen X and Boomers they were necessarily not there. I think Boomers did kind of suck it up and just put in the time and you know do what they need to do in some case, but. There's been a real generational shift um, that's just not necessarily been completely fundamental, but it's been a lot more explicit in I want some, I want a leader who cares about me. I want a coworkers that we actually you know care about each other. And and again, it's not we're kind of going back to that patient relationship. Therapists are really good at those boundaries with the patient relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Why can't we apply that same thing in our in our staff? professional management life. And I do love what you said by the way of how can I serve? Because really your role as the as the manager, as the founder, as the leader is to enable your I, I like the coach analogy. You're the coach, your your job is to make your players be as successful as they can be. Yeah.
1: You know, and, and so. what happens is, you know, the you know we're watching basketball right now and you know as the coach, you know you got you got you got Tatum dribbling the ball you don't go in there push Tatum out of way start dribbling the ball and do everything <laughs> right you, you you know what Tatum might screw up but you can either you know yell at him and scream at him and fine him and threaten him or you can say you know you know this is a good this is a good guy what can i do to best support him and and you mm-hmm. said the word and this is the word that i use with with anyone that i come in contact with and work and influence is the word coach. I go we're coaches. We're we're mm-hmm. mentors, we're guides. If you if you change that thinking around, you're a coach picture and we do an exercise, you know, picture who is the greatest mentor you've ever had? Who was if you played sports, who was the greatest coach? What made them great? And Everyone says the same thing. Right. I felt like they cared. They supported me especially when I was going through difficult. I go, mm-hmm. "Oh, they didn't just yell at you and give you a stern face or worse, didn't say a word at you and just gave you a look." That was my favorite. I would just smile right. and give you a sarcastic <laughs> kind of a gun look. Um, and uh, they're like, no, no, no. That, I go, that, that's what we need to be for them. Now, if you have the wrong type of person on your team and they don't fit into your world, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Allow mm-hmm. them, and I love the language here, allow them to go somewhere else to be successful. Mm-hmm. Just allow them to go somewhere else because not everyone's going to be the right fit. But this is where I think as business owners, we need to take much more responsibility. We need to create a better business for people to come into. That means we need to be more clear in who we are, what our vision is, what our values are, what we stand for, and who would be an ideal person to work for us. Which means we also then have to know what does that avatar, what does that person need? Mm -hmm. And then our job is to provide that for them Flame them, you know, you know flame the whatever, you know, blow the flame, whatever, and and just let them do their thing without being the bottleneck in our business. And we are, by and large, I would say eighty percent, we're the bottleneck in our business. We are, oh, yeah. we are resisting our own growth. And because we don't have that self-awareness, as as you and I talked about, we then look outside of us for all of the reasons, and there's always reasons, of all the reasons why this is happening to me. And then now we're the victim. And I don't play victim. I don't deal with victims, I don't play victim because that doesn't help anybody. And our profession and what we're doing is too darn important because there are millions and millions and millions of people that need our help. And if we're not successful in our business, that just means we're not helping people. And Mm -hmm. we're not helping ourselves or our staff or our community. So this is real important, and I think you know one of the things that I'm doing, and I know you're on a mission as well. I'm on a mission to to help thousands and thousands of our of, of our colleagues to create a business that is a win-win-win. Everyone wins. They win in their business, the staff wins, the patient wins, the community wins. It's the only way to do it. But it doesn't work if your mindset is, well, Jamie, if someone wins, someone loses. That's That will take you down a very bad path if you always feel there has to be losers if you win, because then you'll feel guilty and all this other stuff. But well,
0: I I love what you're saying there because this that's one of the beauties of this business model, and really a lot of business models. If owners will, founders should step back for a second and think about it. As you said, the the more successful you are, the more you grow, the more people you can help, the more people you help, the more cash comes in, the more. If you're actually helping people, that's actually going to be more fulfilling work for your team and your staff. So it's, yeah, ever, all, all immediate parties win. Even, you know, and we all love to vilify the insurance companies and all that. And I think it's egregious the amount of profit they've made off the system and, and all that too. But guess what? If you as a therapist are doing a great job for more people, you're actually saving them a whole bunch of money too. Because we save the system, right? We're more effective. There's less upstream costs, less downstream costs. We're actually preventing people from going and getting unnecessary procedures. I mean, the, the it just snowballs. There's no there's no downside here. If they were smart, if the insurance companies were smarter, they would be spending more money on therapy and therapists, right? And and get more people there because they would save on surgeries and injections and everything else. But yeah. okay, enough of that soapbox for a second. Let's go let's go back to your coach model, coach analogy, because I use the same thing and I love it. There are going to be people who are kind of like, well, I'm there to serve and support and you know, be there for them. And they're going to think that's a little bit fluffy and whatever. Go back to that best coach, that best mentor, right? Didn't they also hold you accountable? And did they push you? Did they believe perhaps that you could do more than you thought, right? You could still be that guy. Kind of going back to those role models, a lot of people I find are reluctant to manage their team, manage their team, right? Because they don't want to be that guy. They don't want to be the bad manager that they have. So why not be that great coach?
1: Yeah, I think so much of our business, Sturdy, um, you know, as entrepreneurs or people with entrepreneurial spirit, um, I, think, I think it's really uh, comes down to, are you willing to continue to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. We, we don't come, I mean, you're not like this and I'm not like this just because I just said, I'm like this. Like we know it's the- evolution. Today. I know the six figures, probably approaching seven figures now over the last 10 years that I've invested in myself, the books and everything, and the trying and failing and trying and figuring out a few things. Like this isn't an accident, how you become successful at anything. It's a continuous journey. It's a vision of you want, and you're willing to do the work because it's just who you are and you want to have the rewards from it. Well, I don't think enough of us take owning a business seriously. And I say this with, you know, I know people are are serious and dedicated, but the real next level, I hate when people say the word next level, I'm going to use it in this context, The real next level isn't the next level of your business. Hey, you take your business to the next level. Hey, you do this. It's the next level of your evolution. It's, you know, one of the questions that I ask people when they have whatever problem or they're like, hey, Jamie, I want to take my business to a million or to three million, five million, whatever the number is, or I want to sell it for this. And I go, who do you have to become Mm -hmm. to have a business that's worth $2 million? And let's say it's worth a million. So you're you're looking at yourself and your own evolution versus what other things have to happen. Because those are mechanics. Look, business is business. What I teach, the only reason what I teach is special, it's not the mechanics of what I teach because I didn't invent any of this stuff. It's my perception of the mechanics. It's my special sauce. That's why you and I can do the exact same thing, but the way you do it is going to be different than me, even though we're both going to say, you may want to start with a vision. You may want to put some values because that's just business principles. That's just success business principles. And I think that we have to, as business owners, realize that, yes, we are talented and good at our craft, but right. you have a business now of this craft. And if you want to create, if you want to keep it small and just you, that's fine. There's really not much you really need. But just continue to deliver great service, work, make some money. That's fine. But if you want to build something beyond you with other therapists, you need to elevate your skill level, such as emotional intelligence, communication, having very difficult conversations, confronting conversations with people. Um, yes, diving in and understanding those uncomfortable financial numbers. Nobody likes that stuff. Well, you, probably, but. <laughs> You know, nobody likes that stuff. But you know what? This is just big boy stuff and big girl stuff. This, I mean, this is just a part of creating the life that you want and creating the impact that you want. If that's too much for you to do, then you may want to second guess. Is this really what you want? Because what's harmful, I think, to us as a profession is we start looking at all the things that are wrong. Like you said, you're blaming the insurance company, you're blaming the government. Yes, there are people that love doing that and hey go do that and see if we can get some rules and laws change but as far as a small business owner you would make a greater impact of just learning and understanding more about your business and of course i believe in getting guidance for people like you and me and other people that are doing it because there are infinite number of people out there who need our help and believe me there is plenty of money, there's plenty of reward, there's plenty of opportunity. Right now in in the world today, as crazy it might seem, there is plenty of that right now, but you're never gonna see it unless you're willing to lean into that, get a little dirty, get a little uncomfortable, and elevate who you are as an entrepreneur and business owner. And if you're willing to do that, I have never worked with someone, I've never met someone that didn't get on that other side, and get more than they ever thought was possible for the mm-hmm. other people. I've never met someone that had that and actually didn't have to grow to get it.
0: Well, yeah. To your point, you earlier you said that eighty percent of the time the founder, not sure, but it, that it's not higher. You might have lowballed it, but the oh, founder is the bottleneck, right? Well, yeah. but that, that's very true, and this is this is exactly what you're talking about. You've got, and it's not, it's not about being better necessarily it's not I mean there are some skills acquisitions perhaps but there's an awful lot of mindset there's an awful lot of trust pass the ball as you said earlier you wouldn't run out in the middle of the, you know, of the game and take the ball from the players owners are doing that all the time you know and among other things what's that say to the player are they good enough you know so yeah I think you, you're exactly you're exactly right that if if you're stuck As a business owner, your business, your organization is stuck, that's a great time to engage somebody to help you see from a different perspective, what else? What else should I be doing? What else could I be doing? What else is out there? Because, and this was one of the things I I knew early on that I didn't know what I needed to know, right? I remember being on a panel at, at UCSF over here with several the private practice centers. And one of them saying that you can never, you know, you have to work in your practice. You have to see patients, you are the brand learner. And at that point in time, I was like, that's not true. That's not right. And they're like, what, you're going to disagree? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to disagree. I said, I don't know how to note how to do it yet. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm still in that boat in my practice, but Howard Schultz ain't pouring coffee at Starbucks, right? I said, I don't know how he's doing it, but I'm going to go figure that out. Yep. know,
1: so that's the grit, right? The book grit. I mean, that's what it takes. It takes that. That just internal desire. You don't need special skills. That's why I kill some people that there's some people successful in today's world that are like, how is that person successful? I have friends (laughs) of mine who who were successful when I was waking up uh, going to work at seven in the morning when it was dark out and coming home at eight o'clock at night. And my friend is making a fortune and he's a flat out moron. And I told him, I go, (laughs) you might be academically the stupidest person I know. He goes, well, yeah, but my business is an academic. My business is relationships. And I went, son of a God God." He (laughs) had me there.
0: I was (laughs) and I was
1: broke. And he knew people. He was dumb enough to realize I don't know the answer, but I know people that do know the answer. So that that's a huge thing right there that you had that foresight yeah. and that determination, that grit to be like, I don't know it all, but that's okay. I'm going to find out and I'm going to know enough to know who can help. And, and I think that's what, I mean, I know for me, I won't speak for you, but what I love being a coach is I love helping people and guiding people to create the most out of what they can do and, and to, and, and it's changed their life and changed their family and their staff by getting over these, these things, these fears, these worries, but then mm-hmm. having this unbelievable green pasture on the other side. And the more people that can do it, that's what protects our profession because mm-hmm. we need successful people because then it's easier for the PT PAC to be like, hey, donate money. Well, if I don't make any right. money, I can only donate 50 bucks. But if I right. make a lot of money, I'll donate a lot more to support that cause. So having Main Street, not venture capitalists, but Main Street becomes successful is what our profession is built on the VCS will come and go the minute our practice isn't attractive, they're going to go to the next industry sure but it's the Main Street people that are not going away no matter how many people are selling they're not going away you know there's 50 60 70 percent are still smaller practitioners and stuff but we need to take you know my favorite song that's what I meant to tell you my favorite song and I play this when I'm doing this type of talk is, Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. Mm. And if you just listen to the song and just say, instead of how you're going to change the world, just replace it at how you're going to change your world. If you want a better place, change it to, if you want a better practice, take a look in the mirror. The answer is right there. But it's not pointing out to every other thing of why you're not further ahead. Because that's just dejection, because once you're a victim, you lose power and you lose control. And this doesn't work well if you don't have control and power over your own destiny. Right.
0: And you lose accountability. You're not responsible anymore. Right. Oh, yeah.
1: It's easy to blame. and And the problem is with the world nowadays, you know, with the whole, you know, social media, it's so easy just to blame. It's so easy to be, you know, behind the computer screen, behind your, your smartphone, and just you know, comment and the cancel culture and all this other junk that's out there. It's hard, especially now. It's hard stepping in and actually taking ownership and taking responsibility. That's the new cool thing. It used to be, of course, that's a given. It's not anymore. It is, it is difficult. It takes guts. It takes grit. And that's why I believe everyone does need a coach, a mentor, someone that truly has their best interests in mind that's gonna help guide them through, but they still need to do it. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this. I know I have. Sure. Hey, I could be the greatest coach in the world, but I work with people that have batteries included. Like, if you don't have batteries <laughs> included, they're, they're, if you come in the box and, the, and there's no batteries there, there's nothing I can do. It won't work. you got to have the it factor for yourself. If you have the it factor, man, this gets a lot of fun. If you don't, it will be the most frustrating experience.
0: Oh, for sure. No, I you
1: can use that one if you'd like. No,
0: no, that's a great one. I love, I love that. Um, cool. well, thank you very much for sharing anything you want to leave, leave the audience with before we wrap up here.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, if anyone um, wants to reach out, they can reach out and just connect with me in multiple ways. PracticeFreedomU.com is my website. Um, LinkedIn, like message me or just Jamie at Practice Freedom U. Um, reach out if you have any interest on anything that we're doing at Practice Freedom U. Some of our programs, if it makes sense, right fit, happy to help. Um, but, you know, it doesn't matter if you go to me or go to Sturdy or any other people that are out there doing some great work. It's it's really difficult doing this alone. Nobody that's successful, nobody does it alone. Don't put all this pressure on you. you just, just get some help. Be open to help.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great place to leave it because we are, we are so conditioned. you know, Rugged individualists, do it by yourself, be right. And just to, for any of you guys listening, your founders, all of you, what you're doing is hard. It's really hard. Just know that and know that you are not alone. There are a lot of other people out there doing it. You kind of, a lot of times you can feel isolated. Reach out, get some help, accountability group, one of us, somebody else. But yeah, don't go it alone. Thanks very much for being here, Jamie. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dory.
1: Thank you for listening.